Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, what's up, Block Church? My name is Alvin Uman. I am the young adults pastor here at the Block Church, and I'm so thrilled to be with you all. I want to take a moment to welcome everyone at all physical locations as well as our online location. You know, it was many years ago that I remember being obsessed over this thesis of how the United States Peace Corps was founded. I geeked out over it. Basically, the world was reestablishing itself after two world wars. John F. Kennedy was like, you know what? We got to be friends with the rest of the world. We want our young adults to go out into the rest of the world and just begin to deliver promises of hope and peace and prosperity and just volunteer. And so the administration studied the world's largest movement. And they realized that in order for this to succeed, that they need to somehow convince 500 young adults to say yes to this. Ultimately, that ended up happening, and 240,000 people over 140 countries have been deployed through the Peace Corps. I remember later on just reading through 1 Corinthians, and it says where Paul is describing that Jesus, after he had been resurrected from the dead, appeared to over 500 people. And then I realized the Peace Corps just took the model of Christianity, where 500 people saw that Jesus was alive, he's alive, he's walking, and now 2 billion people counting are serving Jesus today as an alive and risen Savior. I mention this because here at the Block Church, I honor our pastors, Pastor Joey and Pastor Lauren, so much because they started a vision that is so much bigger than any one person by planting this church in this city, and we are better because of it. And so obviously when they came forward and they said, Alvin, we have a vision to launch a young adults ministry here in the city of Philadelphia, it was the fastest yes that I could have ever given anyone. Purely because I just reminded myself of this study and of what I read in 1 Corinthians. And I realized that if we as a church at TBC could convince 500 young adults who hate sin and love the Lord to be a part of this ministry so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus here in this city, we can transform this nation. I truly believe that. All this to say, we're having our Young Adults Vision vision Night on February 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Port Richmond location. If this is something that the Lord has placed on your heart to be a part of, if you're plugged into this church, but you're not plugged into anything else and you want to be a part of the Young Adults, get plugged in. If you know somebody that doesn't know the Lord, get them plugged in. If you're not 18 to 29, please volunteer. <laughs> But God bless the Block Church, and I'm grateful to be under Pastor Joey and Pastor Lawrence's leadership for this. And we are in the third week of our sermon series titled, This Is Your Sign. 
We've been doing this deep dive into 2 Corinthians, which is a beautiful reminder of the promises of God and his gospel. And last week, Pastor Joey delivered a very, very profound and powerful sermon on the blindfold or the veils that cover our eyes, but the gospel lifts off of us. And once that blindfold is lifted off, the gospel is revealed to you and it allows you to be able to see, wow, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And once that blindfold is lifted, it makes it easy for you to be able to say no to the things that you have been struggled and bound to and live a life that is obedient to Christ. Well, I'm excited as we continue this conversation because what we're going to read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is kind of in a similar vein. Because even though this blindfold is lifted off of you and now you're able to see the world for what it really is, evil and, and it needs the blood of Jesus over it, and you're able to see yourself walking in the light of the gospel, there's another issue. Well, once the blindfold is lifted, the enemy uses like this newfound sight that you have to cause you to still be distracted. How is that possible? Let me give you a story. A few months ago, while I was in India, I met this young man who was just saved for only about two years. He was a single father. He had four children. He had severe financial issues. And he pulls out this list that has all these different medications that he was on. He asked me to pray for him and I did without hesitation. But after the prayer, he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, I thought that when I accepted Jesus as my savior two years ago, all of my problems would go away. Now, how many of that or how many of us resonate with that? It was remarkable to me that this man who was a Hindu had never heard the name of Jesus before, was able to accept the gospel, come to Christ. This blindfold was lifted off. He's able to now see all the sin that he's living in that he didn't even realize was sin, turn away from it, walk with God. But then he became clouded with a new type of blindness of something else. His story is similar to all of us. All of us, when we become Christians... We have this inability to see God's perspective in the struggles and situations that we are facing in our lives. That's exactly what this young man was experiencing. None of us are immune from struggles. None of us are immune of pain. We're all going to experience some type of pain, some type of loss. There's going to be some type of secret suffering that nobody except you realizes. Things can and they will look so discouraging to the point where you just want to give up. You just want to throw in the towel. You just want to just give it all up and say, you know what, enough is enough. And just like this young man, it's possible that we start questioning God and thinking, I thought that he was going to fix everything. I give up. The Bible describes this exact feeling as losing heart. 
And today, what I want to do is explain the profound reason why the Bible tells us not to lose heart, not to throw in a towel. No matter how bad things appear on the surface, it all boils down to one thing, and that is your perspective. Because the Lord has given us two lenses to look at this life from. If you use the correct lens on this earth, no matter what you're going through, you're never going to have a reason to give up and lose heart. That's what I'm going to explain today. However, if you use the wrong lens, what ends up happening is every way and which way that you look at your life situations is actually in a manner of negativity and you blame God, you want to give up, and you want to throw in the towel. So today, in case you needed a sign, this is your sign to not give up. Amen. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. We're going to read the whole thing, all two verses. So we don't lose heart. The NIV translation says, therefore, we do not lose heart. There's a lot of things before the therefore, which is why that word is so important. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, and the things that are unseen are eternal. In my opinion, a cinematic masterpiece is found in a movie, Captain America, Civil War. It's true. It's this movie where there's this conflict happening between two superheroes, two protagonists, Iron Man, Tony Stark, and Captain America. See, the plot of the movie is that superheroes are coming out left and right, and they're saving the world, but in the process, they're destroying cities, they're destroying buildings, people are dying, and there's a lot of sacrifice in the name of the saving of humanity. So the government wanted to introduce something called the Sokovia Accords, this framework, this legislative framework to regulate what superheroes can and cannot do. Now, Iron Man, sorry, if you didn't see this movie already, it's been eight years. <laughs> so Tony Stark and Iron Man, they stand in agreement with the Sokovia Accords. They're thinking, we need to be held accountable. People are dying. But there's Captain America on the other side who's on the same team, but opposing the Sokovia Accords because he believes that some type of regulation like this would cause them to not be able, as the Avengers, to be able to respond when crisis hits the world. The verses that I've opened up with are, in my opinion, some of the most consequential verses in Scripture. Because, just like in that movie, there's this civil war that takes place between these two people that should be on one team, unified as one as the Avengers, but instead they're deeply divided. And the verses that we just read, it helps us to realize the ignorance of the civil war that's taking place right here in our life. Because... 
Here we see that there's this ideological conflict. There's this clash that's happening between two perspectives where there's two parts of you that are unnecessarily warring with one another. And Paul, in those verses that we just read, is teaching us how do we stop the war that's happening of perspectives inside of us. He's explaining how do we fix our eyes, fix our perspective, so that we don't throw in the towel, so that we don't give up, so that we don't blame God regardless of the hardships. The first point right out of the gate is that Paul calls on us to renew our inner man daily. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul is saying, hey, there's this outer self. It just, it's just wasting away. This life, this body, every single day, you're becoming one day closer to your demise. But then there's this inner man that's being renewed day by day. No matter who you are, where you grew up, no matter how successful you are or how big you tend to dream, your life in any given moment is experiencing two things at the same time. It's experiencing what's happening right now and what's happening here. And then there's what's happening or what you don't realize is happening. There's what's happening. There's what you don't realize is happening. There's the suffering and there's the problems that you can feel and that you can see and that you're crying about and that you're thinking about, that you're being consumed about, and that you're praying about, and telling your leaders about, and your friends about. There's all of that, but then there's also something else that you don't even realize is taking place within the supernatural, within the spiritual realm, because of all of this. And at times, most of the time, a civil war is taking place between these two perspectives. And Paul is saying here that these two perspectives are warring with one another for your attention. What you can see, that outwardly you're wasting away, and what you cannot see, that inwardly you're being renewed day by day. Paul is saying these two things are competing for your attention every single moment of every single day. He's saying that if you focus only on this, if you're focused on what's happening in your life on the outside and in the body, what essentially ends up happening is that you become consumed by the negative things that only feed into that. For example, did you know that you're getting older? You start thinking about that. Did you know that you're getting sick? Did you know that your marriage failed? Did you know that your past is filled with a lot of shame and a lot of sin? Did you know that your family has rejected you because you chose Christ? Did you know that your friends have left you because you're not into the same things that you were into before? Did you know, did you know, did you know? Your focus ends up being on what's happening in the physical and the material world and it's consuming the entirety of your thought process. It's true, outwardly, we're actually wasting away in more ways than one. And even though these present issues, rightfully at times, consume our attention because it's right in front of us, there's another perspective 
that's so much pure, it's so much better, and it's only able to be accessed when you look past what's happening in the physical and you try to understand it from the lens of the spiritual. And what's happening here is that all of that can potentially cause your inner self to be renewed day by day. What does it mean to have an inner man that's renewing itself each and every single day? Well, you do that, or it means that you're choosing how to respond to the chaos that's happening here for the betterment of here. You're not grieving with the chaos that's happening in your life, you're not grieving in the fact that the things are hard and they're not working how you expected, but you're using all of this to push yourself to be, to be someone that's purely surrendered unto the Lord. Realizing, my goodness, I'm really not all that. I'm really nothing if not for Christ. This position, this season, can be the greatest blessings of your life because it causes you to shift your perspective and move your posture to your knees. Paul so beautifully illustrates in the exact same chapter, chapter four, verse seven, that you and I, all of us human beings, are just jars of clay. Really simple, really fragile, really practical because we can hold things, but we're so frail and easily manipulated, just like we are clay. We're so easily broken, but in these jars of clay, there's a treasure. Very profound verse that's happening here. The same chapter is saying that we have this treasure inside these jars of clay. And what that treasure is, if you are a child of God in the terms of you have accepted Jesus as your savior, that treasure that's inside of you is Jesus. Jesus is just not just some historical figure. That you're not just this jar of clay that has Jesus, the historical figure inside of you. You're this jar of clay that has Jesus, the author of eternity inside of you which means that you have access to relationship with him. You have forgiveness in him. You have access to so much more meaning and purpose beyond this life, but it's inside a jar of clay. And Paul so beautifully says that that's what we are, that we have access, all of us as people, if we've accepted Jesus as our savior, has this treasure inside of us. And because of that, we have basically life after death. The one thing that all of humanity, a little bit more than spiders, is scared of is death. And we have life after it because yes, we're a jar of clay, but with a treasure inside. Other religions in the world claim that if you do well enough in this life, you get to die and reincarnate into someone else and do it all over again. I've stepped on a Lego before. I don't want to do it again in another life. Hey, you did so great in that last life. Here's a glorious life that you can have now. But bags of chips are still 75% air in this one too. But this hidden treasure that's inside of us is Jesus. 
And God gives us this full and amazing power of him, the forgiveness of our sin, and most above all is eternity with him. And the beautiful reason why Paul says that this is a hidden thing. Why is it hidden? This treasure is a hidden thing. Well, because all jars are jars. All jars look the same, meaning all people, all of us from the exterior, we're human beings. We're all jars of clay that are just roaming around this world. Within our family, there's jars of clay. In this room, everyone, a jar of clay. You go down the street, everywhere, across all locations, it's just jars of clay roaming around in the billions on this planet. And you can never really tell which jar of clay has a treasure inside of it or not. Some are hidden. Some stand up on stages or they do disciple groups and they say, hey, I have this treasure inside of me. But for the most part, it's all hidden. No one can tell who has a treasure in it or not. The reason why that's important is because, again, what we just read, we see that there is Paul saying that all of this, these treasures inside these jars of clay are to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It goes on to say that these people who do not have the treasure inside of them, they are afflicted. They are perplexed. They are persecuted. They are struck down. That's what it says there. Jars of clay are all people that are afflicted and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. But jars of clay with treasures inside of them are different. They are not crushed. They're not driven to despair. They're not forsaken. They're not destroyed. And so all of these jars that are roaming around the world all experience the same things, but it's the one that is filled with the treasure that's able to experience and look at the same reality and says, yeah, I'm afflicted, but I'm not crushed. Yeah, I'm perplexed, but I'm not driven to despair. Yes, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. Yes, I'm struck down, but I am not destroyed. That is because they understand and realize that there's a treasure inside of them that is different from those without the treasure. The problem that I have is the fact that many Christians, myself included, go through long periods and seasons of time where we fail to realize that we have the treasure inside of us. And so we're Christians just walking around saying, I'm so afflicted, I'm so perplexed, I'm so persecuted, I'm so struck down. We're not walking victoriously. We're so conveniently leaving out the victory that we have in Jesus Christ as people that are cr not, not crushed, not driven to despair, not forsaken, and not destroyed. So you can feel bad for yourself. You can be upset that you're not physically what you have hoped for, financially as successful as you wanted to be. Or you can remember that, yeah, you were once this jar of clay, but now today, because you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're still a jar of clay, but with this treasure of Jesus inside of you. In this life, you can choose to go ahead and feed the circumstances of the jar of clay, or you can feed the hidden 
treasure inside, renewing the inner man day by day. How do we do this? How do we renew daily? Well, when you're going through those trials, when you're going through struggles, when you're going through despair, again, how are you responding to the chaos? Are you going to run to your knees and pray, or are you going to wallow in what that is? What the Lord is asking of all of us is, yes, it's going to be bad, but I want you to build the inner self by being in the Word of God, by being someone that's staying in prayer, by being someone that's staying in fellowship. If this is not a greater sign than anything, get plugged into a block group if you're not in any type of community. Whether it's virtual or online, don't do life alone. Get plugged into your church, serve, be around community, build the inner self, set up a prayer closet, and be someone that's on your knees seeking the face of God daily. Let him build here while that just continues to destroy I'm so sorry to present it that way, but there's a lot of hope here that I'm going to continue to speak through. But the second point that I want to share that Paul teaches us in this formula on how to not give up is that we need to see heaven's point of view. It shows in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I'm confused. Paul said that initially our outer self is wasting away. Our outer self is wasting away. We're this fragile jar of clay and things are really, really bad here. But now all of a sudden, it's a light momentary affliction. What caused the distinction in how the problems of our lives were categorized? Well, first, he describes in that formula, hey, don't lose heart because, yeah, things are wasting away and things are bad in this life, but you're responding to it. You're responding to that chaos in such a way that makes yourself surrender to the Lord and now your inner self is being renewed. And because of that, what was once considered a very difficult thing of you wasting away is simply a light, momentary affliction. The thing that happened between wasting away and light, momentary affliction is the renewal day by day. This is that in-between gap that people just jump right over. They're staying in the whole wasting away of my body, this jar of clay that keeps breaking down, and they're expecting things, God, just make this a momentary affliction. Where he's like, you didn't renew in between. There's a process that the Lord wants us to go through in our humanity, and there's a reason for it. And what we're seeing is the evolution of a thought process of a spirit-led person. The very moment that you stop feeding this outward circumstances of your outer self and you start looking at not just the negativity, but you're looking at it with just the joy of the Lord, you begin to feel like it just becomes this light momentary affliction. That's what it is. In other words, your inner man, again, is being fed and renewed and you begin to see life from heaven's point of view and you're not seeing your struggle 
anymore from your perspective, but from God's perspective. When you allow the perspective of God to be the lens through which you view your illness, when you allow the lens of God to be what you view your sickness or your struggle or your lack or your failed relationship or the loss of your job or the loss of your husband or the loss of your wife or the loss of your child, none of us can really fully be able to comprehend that for another person. But regardless of what it is that you've gone through, when you see all of that, not from your lens, but from the lens of eternity, you are able to see that the Lord is throwing around the weight of his glory to come to your aid in ways that don't make sense to man. But on the other hand, when you try to respond to these things in your own way, it causes greater trouble because rather than seeking the face of God, you're turning to your hands to respond to what's happening here in your own way. For example, if you're lonely and rather than waiting for God to bring the right person into your life, you end up turning back to a past relationship that was never meant for you. If you're dealing with financial struggles, rather than applying to 150 different jobs and just being diligent in that process, you turn to illegitimate ways to be able to provide for your family. All together, we turn to our own hands instead of the face of the Lord. When I was 23 years old, I left my job in accounting and I decided uh, to start this business with a much older and experienced man in the manufacturing space. I remember being so scared. I was just a kid. I was so young. I was so scared. I was like, Lord, should I do this? Should I not? I spent countless hours praying and I started just kind of saying, God, if you bless this, if I do it and you bless it, I'm going to give everything to your kingdom. I'm going to translate every Bible in every single language. I just started making all these promises that were outrageous I just started saying, Lord, if you bless this, if you build it, then I'm going to serve you. I'm going to finish it, and I'm just going to go ahead and be in full-time ministry. And all because I wanted the Lord to kind of jump into what I was trying to do here on earth. But my heart posture was in the right place. I truly do believe that. It was a little bit misguided. Within a couple of years, this business begins to grow. I was 25 years old and we had hit a million in revenue and things were doing incredible and I was on top of the world. But I had forgotten the heart posture that I had as a 23-year-old. I actually forgot about the Lord and his role that he was the one that was providing all of that. That he was looking down, just laughing at me at 23 years old. saying, like, I'm going to give it to him and just see what he does. And I just forgot about him entirely. And I didn't appreciate the heart posture that I morphed into. And then one day I remember walking and stepping into my living room. I just felt like the Holy Spirit banging on the door of my heart. Saying, hey, you remember me? Like, you forgot your first love. I just felt this deep conviction. And I had this book that I just always carry with me. And I write like all these ideas or random things. I just keep this close with me. And I have security here. So if you try to take this from me. <laughs> but I took this book and I ran out into the porch. I just started writing and penning this letter to the Lord saying, I'm sorry. 
this repenting. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know how I got to this place, but I forgot my first love. I forgot you. Anything I said I was going to do, I didn't even do the same, anything in the realm of. And I was like, I don't know how, but Lord, make it right. I don't know how, but will you please restore the heart posture that I had for your glory? I didn't think anything of it. I closed this book and then I just went back to work as normal in the weeks to come. It wasn't even 10 days later. The banks call us and they start saying, hey, we're pulling everything. I go inside and check the books of the business and there was a very complex embezzlement scheme that was happening. One after another, within days, the whole business just shuts down and it closes. And everything that I've built, I lose. It's gone, just like that. Everything. Everything was sold off. The doors were closed. The signs were taken off. It was done. And then I spent six months in a deep sadness, doing nothing but sleeping and just wallowing in my own pity and just forgetting who I was and don't even remember what I was like before that. But then after six months, it's like I just feel that Holy Spirit again. Hey, you remember me? And I spent time just responding to that knock by just being in the Word and praying and being around the people of God. Just trying to just get back. What was the Holy Spirit trying to bring me to? And I noticed that I started just getting into this deep place with the Lord. Where that posture that I had at a young kid was there, but then even more intensified. In fact, I don't think I would be standing here this morning if it wasn't for what the Lord had done. Because all I had asked was, Lord, I don't know how, but please restore what your will is for me. And the Lord decided to respond in the aggressive way that he did because he loved me and cared so much more for my eternity than he did for this light momentary affliction that I would experience. I mentioned this to you today because now as I'm rebuilding everything, my heart posture is in a better place. It's around the right people. It's rooted in the right decisions. And it's something that I'm like, Lord, you can trust me this time because I've seen what it's like when I've lost your trust. Everything that we do, everything that we build, everything that we experience, the Lord wants us to be able to look at it, not from the lens of this world, but from an eternal perspective that lives beyond us. The third point and final point I want to make is that we must prioritize the eternal over the temporal. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're just temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. That's where the Lord wants us to look. He wants us to think eternally. Do you remember when you're growing up, it's like those last few days of school and summer vacation is just like a week away. And there's no more exams in school, actually. You're just kind of like cleaning up the classroom with your teacher. You're emptying out your desk and you're helping take down the signs and everybody is drinking those Huggies. I found out it's like, it's called Hugs, whatever. But those Huggies that you're just sipping on with the foil things and it's like everyone's friends and we're all nostalgic and we're hanging out with one another. 
And we're so excited and happy because like summer's right around the corner. How is it that school, which would have been like kind of like a miserable sp space, ends up becoming something that we're so excited about? The reason is because collectively as a group in that classroom, we're unified and expectant towards the summer. Something to look forward to. And so because the time of that that we're looking forward to, where we are now, it begins to feel so much more purposeful and better. I mentioned that because in this life, if you want to have a good life, if you want to have a joyful life, if you want to have an excited and happy life, what's required of you is simply to be excited for eternity. Get excited for what's to come. And in that moment, everything here, no matter how much chaos is around you, begins to look so much more beautiful because of the hidden treasure that's inside of you. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories, and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.